If you're an artist of any kind, I think one of the best ways to improve, to get better at your craft is through projects. This could be anything from creating a comic book, creating an art book, creating a series of figures if you're a sculptor. It doesn't really matter what it is. The key is that we have a larger project that is gonna test our skills in a variety of complex ways. The question often becomes, when do you start your project and how do you start it? It's often advised that you just jump in and figure it out. But I think often if the project that you're wanting to create is something that you've been thinking about for a long time and it's something that's really important to you, which I do recommend, I think it's important that you are creatively engaged with these projects, even if they are things that you're using to develop your skills, there is always this problem of, look, I'm going to create this thing, but it's not going to be as good as I want. It's not going to live up to my vision. Often it's said that our taste can outstrip our ability. So you can be sitting there knowing that the thing you're going to create is not as good as you want it to be. And it's very easy to see the shortcomings in that. And I think this entire question can be a real problem for a lot of people. It certainly was for me when I was trying to figure out how to draw comics and how to become a professional artist and how to handle this particular hurdle. What I want to do in this episode is try and unpack this concept as much as we can, try and get some logic going around this, try and piece apart the different topics that are at play so that hopefully by the end you can get some extra insight into maybe when you are going to start your magnum opus. Welcome to the Visual Scholar Podcast. My name's Tim McBurney. I've been a professional artist for over 20 years. And on this show, we're all about demystifying the worlds of art, creativity, and productivity so that you can get better faster and enjoy your artistic journey. This particular episode was inspired by a comment that was left on a previous video talking about my journey towards becoming a professional comic book artist and the fact that I really found that what I probably should have done is jumped in a little bit earlier and, you know, learned to draw through drawing comics and I think the comment was sort of just talking about how much of a challenge that was because often as artists we know that our artistic skill isn't up to scratch and that's what this particular individual was saying. And I really appreciate this comment because it really spoke to the heart of the issue. And I think it's so important to try and unpack these sort of concepts, right? And really figure this out. Now, I still think that the best thing to do is to just move forward and jump in. But it is very true that if you just do that, the work that we're going to create is maybe not going to be as good as we want. And I guess the question is like, well, what's the point of doing that? What's the point? Like what's to be gained through creating work that we know is substandard? This is, I think, a fundamental sort of paradox. There's a lot of counterintuitive um, nature to this subject, but I think there are a lot of really, really important takeaways that not just relate to this, but a lot of art creation as as well. This is certainly something that I have struggled with over the years and personally I haven't made all of the perfect decisions here. So I'm not necessarily going to try and say, hey, you absolutely have to do this. This is the only answer. I think there are many paths to success here. 
But the real key is to understand what you are sort of giving up, what you're gaining, what the pluses and minuses of particular strategies when it comes to learning, creating projects, creating your project, or more specifically, creating the magnum opus, your sort of major project that you're really, really excited about. So again, hopefully you'll join me for this little discussion and we can try and learn a little bit about creating your own projects together. Okay, so let's jump in. As I said, I have done a little bit of both of these things. I have done a lot of sort of jumping in maybe before I was ready and consciously doing that, consciously sort of following my own advice essentially and the advice of a lot of people who say, look, just start start the project and get it going because it's just important for a multitude of reasons and you'll never regret it. And again, there's there's a lot of logic to this that I'll unpack and I've sort of done that with many, many projects. And um, a lot of them have been sort of comic book projects or just things where I kind of have intuitively sort of thought or, or sort of said to myself, like, look, this seems like a big jump, but you know, let's see what happens, right? Let's see if I can sort of figure it out, jump in the deep end and then sort of start swimming. I think I found that to be a good strategy overall. Um, but certainly I've also, you know, done a lot of procrastinating on creating my own projects. I spent a lot of time trying to create a lot of test pages, trying to figure out my style really early on um, in my development as an artist and just doing a lot of kind of sort of blocking and, and stopping myself moving forward. Because again, as this sort of person was talking about in a comment, like I knew, um, you know, my art wasn't good enough. And when I did test pages, like they didn't really look good. And that was very frustrating. So, you know, if, if I kind of look back at that time and, and I would sort of give myself advice, my, my advice would still be like, look, yes, no, you needed to keep going there. The question is why, right? Like why is it so important to keep going and what is the value of jumping in? No matter how prepared I have been for particular projects, I have always felt that I was, again, in the deep end, that the actual result of the project was maybe not as good as I thought it could be. I've always looked back at things that I finished and completed and I see a raft of issues, a raft of problems. Basically, as an artist, all I see when I look at the past projects that I've created are the mistakes. And I've sort of outlined the logic behind why I think this is in the past. And I think it's because essentially when we look at our own work, we are normally looking at it, trying to improve it because that's a big part of art. So I will be, you know, looking at a page of seven pirates art that I completed Wow, like a long time ago, you know, 15 years or more ago, you know, that page was done and there's nothing more I could ever do to finish it. And yet I'll look at it today and as I see it, I'm kind of transported in time back to that stage because it's still in my memory somewhere back there. Again, the longer this goes, the less visceral it is. But Still, you know, I'm sitting there looking at that page and it brings me back to what I ate for breakfast that day, um, how I was feeling, what was going on in my life, you know, what was working, what wasn't working, the art that I was looking at, why I was making decisions and every single freaking thing that's wrong on that page. My eye just instantly like a magnet goes to that thing and I notice it and I'm like, 
oh man, why did I make that mistake? That's such an easy thing. That's such an amateurish thing to do. Everyone's going to notice this. And, you know, obviously this is just a giant highlighter um, about, you know, why my art sucks and why this is no good. And, you know, I'm just kind of shocked that this kind of managed to get it through the editorial process onto a printed page. And the whole thing is kind of like very weird, right? So, you know, that's my experience having created stuff, looking at my sort of earliest work and look, you know, it, it doesn't really get that much better. Um, you know, frequently I'll say that the more the creation process is a little bit more fluid, a little bit more creative, a little bit more personal, the more I tend to look at the work and, you know, kind of look at it fondly, let's say. Um, but yeah, any of these kind of projects where I had like a big vision in the beginning and through the process of kind of like a very much larger process that was maybe sort of whittled, whittled down, creatively changed, modified, there's always a sense that I look back at that project and kind of go, hmm, you know what would have been better? So fundamentally, all I would say is personally, I've always felt that way. Whenever I start a new project, I feel like I'm out of my depth and I'm not quite sure what's going on. And I think there's a fundamental degree to where this is similar to, and I've said this before on the channel, how people relate to fear. So you have people whose job it is to go and do scary things like go and fight other people and put their life on the line. And they describe not necessarily becoming fearless, but just learning to live with fear. The emotion persists. The emotion is there. It's our relationship to it that matters. And I think that's a big part of the key here and a big part of why I think we need to kind of move forward from this kind of, oh, but is my work going to be good enough? And, you know, how's this thing going to be seen? And trying to kind of create this perfect kind of house of cards, right? Uh, this perfect sort of masterwork and understand that, look, what we're dealing with here is our own emotions as creators and this fundamental weird thing that happens when you create something where you, the artist, view it some way before you create it and then you, the artist, view it a different way as you create it and then you, the artist, view it a different way after it's created and then the viewer, who is not you, views it a completely different way and you know, never the twain will meet. None of these things necessarily have a huge logical relationship to each other. And I think this is both one of the major frustrations as an artist, but it's also kind of part of the beauty of the process. It's something we have to learn to live with, whether we like it or not. Now, it's important to state before I move on and kind of unpack this a little bit more that it's really key for you to follow your own sort of emotional guidance here. Again, I think emotions are the key. There's no point for, you know, you to say, yes, okay, Tim said this, I'm going to do it. Or some other artist said this, or some book said this, because when you are creating one of these projects, one of the things I can say is a fact is that you need to be really passionate about it. If you're going to sit there and start off on a journey to create something that you're really excited about, it's going to need to be something that you are excited about, obviously, and you need to be really, you know, committed to the path that you've chosen. You need to have conviction about the choices you're making. You need to believe right in the middle of your soul, of your being, of who you are, that this is the right thing to do. 
because there will be challenges. The art will suck. It may not turn out how you want. And that'll happen even if you are really, really good. So it's so important either way for you to be committed and to be making the decision, whatever it is, completely up to you for how you handle these things. It's important that you're doing it for the right reasons and the reasons that matter to you. Bottom line is that you need to trust yourself and trust the decisions that you're making while also realizing that often we can be the major thing that is actually holding ourselves back from greatness through not committing to things and not sticking our neck out, not putting it on the line and letting our emotions kind of dive into a project and, you know, dive into that fear, right? Into the unknown. Okay, so but let's step back from the emotional aspect to this, because the emotions are important. But I think one of the ways that we can maybe get some uh, leverage or vantage on this is to step back and try and look at it analytically. Um, and I think that's going to be, you know, one of the major tools here that might help you get that conviction in the first place. If we unpack this, I think that ultimately there's a number of pretty simple things here that are good to separate. Separating them out, I think, is the best way to really get a handle on what is going on. Now, the first thing that's often happening when we're considering a project is our vision. This is where you have an idea and this comes from somewhere. It's often a mix of emotions. Um, it's a mix of who you are, but you have an idea for what your story, your project, your board game, your series of three-dimensional figures, your whatever. What is that thing going to be? There's a vision. There's a feeling of what that is. And again, it is potentially part plan. It's part materialized. You may have structured it to a certain degree. But I think especially early on, a big part of that is a giant chunk of emotions. There is a feeling of how good this thing is going to be, how excited you are about it, and why it's going to be great. And I think that that is often a mix of emotions, of moods, of these vague images, vague ideas. And again, that's something that what you're trying to do is actualize. You're trying to realize that thing, make it real. So the goal that we often have is to kind of turn this thing, our vision, into a physical product. And we want that physical product, obviously, to be as close to our vision as possible so that people can see it and agree and we can share our vision with them. The second thing that's happening here is that we obviously need to to get there, we need to develop skills. So if you imagine that there is some project and it's finished and it's realized, as a process of doing that or before we do that, we're going to have to develop X, Y, Z set of skills. And this is where for a drawing or a sculpting um, process, again, whatever it is, you're going to be dealing with things like anatomy or perspective drawing, storytelling, whatever it is. These are just the actual skills that we are probably seeing in the beginning are you know, at a deficit. You know, my drawing's not good enough. My storytelling, I don't have enough experience with this. I want to tell this story, but I don't really know how to draw that. There are particular things that we can either anticipate um, or maybe we can't anticipate are going to be needed in order to get the vision and make it real. The third thing here is time. And this is really often the real trick of it is that we often are not really thinking about the time in the beginning but I think that it is a big part of what we're trying to 
kind of solve for. But either way, we can consider simply that there is a time between when we have our vision that's amazing and there's a time between when that vision is finished and realized as a product that we can share with people. How long is that time and how long is it going to take us to develop the skills in order to make that happen? Now, let's try and break those three things down a little bit more so that we can try and understand what is actually going on there. What are the component parts of that? I think this is going to be critical to making a good decision going forward. Again, The key is that I'm not just trying to share, hey, this is what you should do. I'm trying to unpack some of the thinking behind it so that hopefully, you know, you might take some of the ideas here, some of them, you know, maybe less so, but you can hopefully understand the thinking behind this. So if we first look at the number one thing there, which is the idea of our vision, the first thing that really comes to mind there is that the vision is unreliable. Now, there's a number of reasons for this. Firstly, in the beginning, as I sort of touched on, our vision tends to be more vague. If you haven't written 100 books, if you haven't drawn comic books before, if you haven't made board games, if you haven't created projects, if you haven't created your own toy line or whatever it is that you're really into, then you're not really sure what that is. And it's very tricky to, you know, sort of imagine how that's going to turn out because you haven't been there before. If you've done it before, then you have a little bit better of an idea. And as you've done it again, then you have a better idea because part of the creation process is understanding what is possible in a given medium. This is something that I often talk about with illustration. If you think about as a simple example, an illustration is a two-dimensional image, but often in the beginning, we think in movies because we're often so exposed to movies and cinema and Hollywood. So often our ideas are moving, but uh, one of the biggest challenges as a two-dimensional illustrator you have is to create the sense of movement through a two-dimensional frame, a single one. And in the beginning, what I find often is students are struggling with this concept because they're imagining moving images and then they try and translate that into a two-dimensional image and it just doesn't work. Now, as you create more and more images, what you start to do is to realize the thing you have to imagine is a static image. And the better you can imagine a static image that looks like it's moving, the better your creation process in general will be. There's a number of reasons for this. One is that there are often limitations and advantages to a two-dimensional static image. And secondly, your feeling of whether or not that succeeded or not and your vision was executed properly is going to depend very much on whether or not the thing you imagined is what you create. If you're imagining something that is not possible with a given medium, which is frequently the case for people, i.e. the imaginary thing you have is not optimized for a particular medium, you're always going to feel, no matter how well you execute that idea, that it's not what you had in mind. So the vision itself is inherently, at the beginning, a little bit vague, I would say untrustworthy. And also you have to keep in mind what I'm always going on about on this you know, show and all my other channels and stuff is that 
we are not good at judging the quality of our work. We are always going to feel as if the work that we're creating is not quite as good as we wanted. And a big part of that is, again, you know, the refinement of your skill, of your craft, of understanding how to turn your vision into something real. And we're constantly refining that. But I think, again, this is a good thing. It's not a deficiency of an artist. I think it is a fundamental part of the creative process. We're always looking for constant self improvement. How can we make things better? Part of making things better is figuring out what isn't good and what needs improving. Another thing here that's really, really important to understand, and I've touched on this briefly, is that you have multiple different versions of the vision or how you feel about a particular project. Now, there's the one that is existing before you begin production, let's say. This is before you've really committed to doing it. Now, what does the commitment look like? Like, I think there is a fundamental threshold that we cross where, again, I'm using a comic book because that's something I've had experience with and that's what this particular sort of comic was really directed at. There's a point at which you would be able to create a thing that is representative of the final product. So for instance, we have like coming up with an idea, doing design of characters, creating a storyboard, creating a script. None of these things are really the product, let's say. And so we can create them and still have a feeling of like, this is still going to fit our vision because we haven't actually created a page yet. We haven't created a finished page. And it's only when you create something, even if it's just one finished panel, where you're starting to see, oh, this is actually what the product is going to be. And that's the fundamental threshold, I would say, where you start to do that. Now, that is not necessarily the finished product, but that's that threshold that we cross. Before that threshold, you're dealing very much with your vision of the project and all your aspirations of it and what it could be, what it should be. And this is very much a positive experience because you haven't committed to anything yet. You haven't made any mistakes yet. And you, you know, this thing can still be, you know, unlimited. It can still get a hundred out of a hundred. It's possibilities are endless and infinite. And it's really nothing but positive vibes at that point. Then invariably you will have your vision and your feeling and your experience of your vision as you actually start to produce it. And this is going to be a different version of how you relate to the thing that you're creating. And what happens a lot here is you deal with different challenges that come up. Oh, you know, I designed a character for my comic book. I thought they were going to look a little bit like this. And turns out, you know, some of those things aren't quite working or, um, you know, I thought I could draw this type of background and, you know, looks like I need to get more reference or whatever it is. It could also just be that, you know, often in the middle of all projects, you're kind of just a grinding through. You're just kind of like going through the messy middle of a project and you have probably, you know, compromised a little bit at that point. You are just into production. Most of the creative fun tasks are over and you're just kind of doing it, but you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? And and there's, there's a, all these aspects of creating a project that sort of uh, how we view it and how our vision and our feeling out of our vision is going to be when we're in the thick of it, when we're actually in production, when we're creating it. Now, the other thing you have as a relationship to your work is how you view it after it's finished. So obviously there'll be a process, uh, sorry, a part of that process where you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. You can see the end. It's happening. This is all good. 
Um, and then it's over and then it's finished and then it gets produced in some way, reproduced. And then you kind of see it and it you, you can no longer change it, right? Again, there's another threshold whereby it goes to print, right? It gets um, sort of cast, it, it goes to manufacturing, whatever it is, you finish it. You finish the last page of your sketchbook project, whatever it is, it's the last page. You can't go and add more. You can't fiddle around with it. It's done. Then there's how we view it after. And how we view it after is different to those other two. Because obviously, we've made compromises. We have maybe made creative choices that were happy accidents. It may be better than you imagined. Either way, the way that we view it after we finished it is its own special beast. And, you know, for me, as I've said, often, you know, I see a lot of the mistakes, but I can't change them, right? It, it, it's like, you know, I see the way that, oh, that's right, I had this idea for this book. I really wanted to inject this feeling and I had this feeling and that happened with the, the Seven Pirates book that I created where, you know, I really wanted it to have maybe a little bit more of a a dark kind of traditional pirate vibe. Um, I really wanted to get a little bit more character in there, a little bit more grit. I wanted a little bit more expressiveness to things. I wanted it to be a little bit more bawdy, let's say. Again, the... F the words I'm using don't adequately describe the feeling that I wanted the art to have to me when I finished it, right? And I'm just sitting there going like, oh, it's not quite, it's not quite what I had in mind. Um, now, again, I don't know whether or not other people see that. They definitely don't see the image I had in the beginning. Whether or not they see the thing that I wanted them to or maybe something else, again, this is why creation is tricky because we are not always a good judge of the work. We are actually not a judge at all of the work. Other people get to judge the work and they get to experience it. And every single individual experiences our work in a different way. So other people might see the Seven Pirates, the Treasure Island, and they might see that, look, it has a little bit more of a simpler style. It's light. Um, you know, maybe it doesn't have that boardiness, that darkness to it. And they're like, this is great. This is what I wanted. So, this is complicated. There are many aspects to the vision and how you as the artist will relate to the vision, how you feel about it day to day as you see it, as you pick the finished product up, um, you know, versus if you rewind one year, 10 years, 20 years, however long it takes you to finish it and you have that sort of fresh vision. These are very, very different things. They're inherently unreliable and it's all a little bit messy when it comes to your vision your creative aspirations for your masterwork. All right, so if we look at skills, what skills do we need to create this to make this vision real? And how do they play into this? What, why am I bringing up skills? Well, again, I've got a few sort of listed here, but you know, if we're going back to the idea of comics, again, I think we can sort of say that we would need to understand story to create a comic masterwork or something that we're really into. We would need to understand storytelling which is slightly different. And I think it's important to distinguish those two. We would need to, you know, develop creative voice, creative style that potentially is sort of unique to us, which is, again, going to allow us to create that vision and, and really sort of figure out how do the ideas that I have translate through a medium? And everyone's slightly different. If you look at, again, 
really good auteur directors. Again, they've all got a particular vision, creative style, a way they've figured out to get the feelings they have and the ideas and the visions and the creative aspirations onto, you know, the finished product, right? We also, you know, obviously would have things like drawing um, and then we'd have the, the process, right? The process that you use to get it from A to B. Now, there's also going to be a giant subset of those particular skills. So we could have drawing sub skills, which might be like, again, anatomy, perspective, how to draw hair, how to draw grass, how to draw trees, how to draw leaves, um, how to draw a science fiction environment, how to draw uh, ellipses if you need to draw cars, how to design science fiction environments, how to design trippy, psychedelic, um, you know, horror environments, whatever it is you want to do, you need to learn how to draw those particular things from a visual library perspective. It's often a big part of understanding or preparing for a project is developing your sort of visual library there. But obviously you need foundational skills, um, posing, figuring out how characters emote, um, facial expressions for a comic, whatever it is. Again, if you're working on another genre or medium of creative expression, then obviously it's going to be a completely different subset of skills. But there's a series of things there that you need. If we break down the subset of story skills. Again, there's going to be a huge variety of things that you're going to need to do. You're going to need to understand how to write action, how to frame action, how to storyboard action, how to frame and storyboard dialogue scenes, how to write dialogue, how to, you know, sort of introduce ideas. Um, Depending on the story that you're telling, you know, you might have to figure out how to get some sort of art house ideas, some concepts of magic, some concepts of, um, you know, showing what the future might be like or really delving into the internal emotions and how people view things um, on the inside. Like, how do you actually tell that as a story? How do you get that on the page? We often have ideas. The question is like, okay, like how do we actually do that from a writing perspective, from a craft perspective? The thing that is so important to understand about skills is that they intermingle. There's not necessarily a giant separation between these things in the finished subconscious sort of adaptation of your body and your mind to being able to enact a craft. We have words for these separate things, but when you're creating a comic, for instance, part of how you solve a problem is through a complex sort of interplay of, yes, it is story, i.e., you know, what the overall do's and don'ts of the story are, like for the plot points, let's say, and then there is the writing of the specific dialogue. What words do I choose? And then there's the look on the character's face. Can you nail that? These things kind of mush together as a skill whereby, again, I have an idea for how a scene should look. And through a series of different skills, I get that to work. Now, if you view them too separately, what you can fall afoul of is under, is not really understanding that how you are going to solve a particular problem as a creative individual is going to vary extremely. And the particular way that you will end up solving some problems might be through writing, it might be through dialogue, it might be through action, it might be through great character expression, through great character design. 
we're all unique. Not everyone is good at everything. It's so important to understand that. What good artists are good at doing is showing you their best hand at making sure they don't show you things they can't draw. And what you tend to find is people become known for a particular type of story, for a particular type of vision, and readers and people who consume our work come to us for that particular mix of things. And it's not possible in the beginning to separate that out and say, okay, I'm going to learn all of these things. Why? Well, maybe there's some ultimate artist who can do everything. But to a certain degree, as we do one thing, often style and what people will you know, view as our creative vision is you know, in, in some ways a lack of something or an over um, prescription of something else. It's often these imbalances in creative expression that create voice, that create the very thing that you're interested in. And there's so many artists and examples I could give of this whereby, again, you as a viewer are like, this is amazing. I like this. As a person who steps back and says like, let's analytically decide whether or not this is good drawing or this is good writing or this is good dialogue. Um you know, so many people have criticized so many popular fiction writers for being bad writers. It's it's terrible, right? I mean, you look at people like Harry Potter, uh, J.K. Rowling, often criticized for not being a good writer. Uh, Dan Brown, right, often criticized for like not being a good writer. What does that even mean? I don't know. Again, their prose is not quite up to the standard that, you know, good writers have. Yet, People like the work. And in a subsequent way, again, you could view any of these artists as, you know, comic book artists. We often respond really well to their art. And then you actually look at it and you're like, but is the anatomy that good? Is the other backgrounds like everything's kind of sketchy? Everything's a little bit of a mess. Oh, they only ever do this thing. I've never seen them do this. No one cares about that. Not a single person cares about that. They're always completely transfixed if the work is good by what it is giving them, by what it is actually affecting and what skills are on display. We're not necessarily thinking and analyzing it if we're actually engaged in the work. And I think what you'll find, this is strongly my opinion, is the best artists are the best at showing you the best part of their skill set. Now, the last little bit of this trifecta is time. And this really is yeah, and we can view this a multitude of ways, but, you know, firstly, just consider how do you want to spend your time? What do you actually want to be doing as you are progressing towards some ultimate goal of being able to have a really strong vision and then realize it and then feel really good about it? Let's say that's our goal, right? We have an idea. It's an amazing, is an amazing project. We complete it. We're happy with it. Everyone's happy with it, right? Confetti parade. Everything's amazing, right? Win, 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 win. Maybe that's the goal. Let's say, well, we need to get there. We're not there yet, okay? Um, I would very much include myself in that, um, you know, cohort of people, right? I'm not there yet. Maybe I'll get there one day. Um, okay, how do we get there? What are the things we're going to do? Now, I think... We have to consider a number of things here, right? Like, how do you actually want to spend the time as you improve? What's actually important to you? What do you actually like doing as an artist? Do you like studies? Do you like learning? How good are you at that? How fast have you been improving in the past? One of the major things that's often going on as we hold back, as we wait, as we put time between us 
instigating and starting a major creative project is that we're trying to essentially avoid discomfort, the discomfort of starting it too soon, of jumping in and maybe it's not as good as we wanted and like, hey, look, you know, obviously if we got better, it would be better. Obviously, if you wait, the product will be better, but how long are you going to wait? At what point do you jump in? There's a degree to where committing to the creative act will allow you to actually solve a lot of tactical problems that you're probably not going to be able to learn any other way. As I said, so much of the skills that you build and the way you solve problems can be creative. In the creative arts, it's not really even basketball. It's not a zero-sum game. Everyone can be an artist. There are much more pathways to success as an artist than there are to basketball, right? In basketball, you need to get the ball through the hoop. That's the path to success. As a creative professional, as a creative individual, there's many, many more ways you can do that. And as I've said, often it is the deficiencies we have and the way we sort of counteract those deficiencies as artists and overemphasize particular things that will actually define our creative voice and our creative style. It's only until you jump in and figure those things out that you're sort of faced with the particular problem that you need to solve. You need to develop the skills specifically to, you know, get it over the line. And the other thing is that, again, if you think about the time here, If you really look at how long it's going to take to become the perfect artist who can draw everything, design everything, have perfect storytelling, perfect story sense, um, again, perfect sense of process, have perfect clean lines, make everything right, um, to a certain degree, that's going to take an infinite amount of time. Certainly, if we're, you know, living, uh, you know, our 70 to 150 years of, you know, life expectancy here, right? Again, and that's if you believe all the people who think we're going to, you know, live to 150, um, who knows, right? Uh, It's tricky, you need to really understand that time is a factor here. At some point, you need to jump in. And yes, you're going to have to figure things out when you do. But that's part of what makes you an artist, committing to the creative act, learning how to solve problems and being creative and actually practicing that skill. There is a skill of needing to get your vision onto the page, maybe not having a complete deck of cards that's going to allow you to do it. You have deficiencies and then you start to think, well, if I did this, that would maybe work instead. If I did it this way, it would look good. Oh, here's a happy accident. Actually, I don't even need that thing. You know what would be a better way to do that? If I just change this thing. These are the skills that you only learn when you're in the trenches, when you're sitting down there trying to solve the creative problem that's right in front of you. And often you can solve it without perfect craft, without perfect tactical solutions to all of these things. You often can be a little bit messy, a little bit dirty, and nevertheless, your vision comes through and the thing that you're actually trying to say manifests on the page. So, When I'm pragmatic and I try and boil all of that stuff down, all of the stuff I've tried to unpack, if I try and boil it all down to what I think is the crux of the matter, firstly, I think that just diving into the project, no matter what your skill, yes, it's going to be harsh, right? I feel you when you start a project and your skills aren't there, it is rough, but I can only say, and I can only imagine if I look at the math of it, that it is going to be your shortest path to mastery. 
the shortest path is going to be through jumping in. You're going to be able to get your vision on the page quickest if you actually practice doing it. It's going to be the thing that's going to allow you to learn specifically the skills that you need to specifically get specifically your vision onto the specific medium that you're trying to engage in. You're going to forget all the stuff that doesn't relate to that particular medium. And that's going to be the thing that allows you to get there the quickest. It is the most efficient, fastest road to getting really, really freaking good. And trust me, I've seen that played out time and time again in my own particular career. The thing that really taught me to draw was not sitting there trying to learn and do test pages and fiddle around and get better in anatomy and get better at that. The thing that really taught me to draw was, you know, having a contract to draw my Seven Pirates book, my unofficial sequel to Treasure Island. I had to draw this thing. Uh, I had a contract. It was the only way I was earning money. And I just had this kind of pressure on me and I needed to complete it. And that's the thing that really really in the end, like leveled up my drawing the fastest. I got so much better over those, you know, two years completing that project versus, you know, all the time in the past trying to figure out all these different things. And it really was through focus of me every day getting up and saying like, oh man, I got to draw a pirate ship. How on earth do I do that? Right. Uh, and again, there's like 10 million idealized ways you could do that. I could look at, again, all of the amazing artists that I know. And for in French comic books, there's quite a few really, really good, um, you know, ship uh, drawing artists. And it's crazy, right? Uh, how good some of the ships in, in, in books are. Um, you know, look, I just tried to do the best I could. I tried to figure this out. I tried to figure out how to draw them in my style, how to think about simplifying the forms. Uh, you know, I solved the problem that I had in front of me. And through doing that, I learned a lot. I picked up a lot of skills. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm kind of being a hack and figuring out, look, there's a little bit of that. But in order to do this, look, I had to improve my perspective, but I had a way to you know, learn some stuff about perspective and then that day apply it and be like, okay, well that worked and that worked and that worked and this didn't. I still don't understand this bit. Okay, go back to the book, read it again, try again the next day, right? It's that process that really got me to level up. And I think it's definitely for me, it's just diving into the project is always the thing that has made me improve the fastest. Also, the easiest path to mastery. There's a certain degree to where it feels infinite than the number of things you need to learn to get really good at art. I've said it before, there's perspective, anatomy, you have all these things you need to learn to draw, shading, composition, rendering, color, etc., etc. There's an infinite number of these things. And look, ideally at the end of it all, we get really good at most of these things, but very few artists become really good at everything. And often what I find is People who have a really, really high technical degree of, you know, capability, they, they often don't necessarily have the ability to get their vision or like some real creative sort of spark onto a page or, you know, onto their chosen medium, right? Often it just becomes like technique, 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 technique. They haven't really had any practice doing anything with it, right? There's there's kind of like not really a there there. There's not really a, you know, um, there's nothing at the end of the rainbow. It's just kind of all rainbow, right? It's like, yeah, really, really good. Everything's kind of good. Like, okay, do something with it, right? Um, let's put the power to the ground. Uh, there's no point having like a really, really fast car that's, you know, just up on stilts, right? It, it's, it just does nothing, right? It makes a, makes a loud noise. That's it. 
to me, there is a fundamental anxiety and stress. And this is maybe just me sort of talking about mine. Let me know in the comments if you sort of, you know, vibe with this. But sort of having this giant collection of things we're meant to learn is, you know, inherently a little bit stressful. And I think one of the things that can be very relaxing, again, is to see the you know, much more limited series of things we need to learn if we're doing a particular medium. Again, if it might be comics or illustration or sculpture, whatever it is, if you're doing painting or line art, there are things where, you know, you're going to be much better off putting your effort into a particular level of craft, let's say. And I think doing it and engaging in a project is a really much more easy way of telling what those things are because you can immediately see them being put into practice. You can immediately see what works, what doesn't, what's maybe look idealized, but again, doesn't actually sort of, you know, make a much difference and what, you know, might be like a small skill that you thought wasn't that important, but really is the thing that is allowing you to get most of your vision down there onto the page. You kind of have an inherent relaxation because you know that you can see the things that you need to learn. And obviously that's an evolving process, but I think that this is inherently the easiest way to figure out what you need to do and to figure out what to learn. And it's also the easiest way to actually learn it because again, you're getting practice doing it all the time. Lastly, there is the obvious thing that I feel like no one really ever mentions is that you can redo it. If you think about the actual equation here, which is, look, you have your vision and then you have your goal of having that vision realized, and then you have a time in between. If you just start and you create it and you finish it and it sucks, guess what? You can just redo it. You can just take the, you know, the bits that didn't work, you can touch it up, or if you really need to completely redraw it, many people have actually done that. Many, many people have actually redrawn the first part of their comic book or whatever project they're working on. This frequently happens. People start a project, there's a lot of creative energy, and, you know, they create something that people really care about. And probably by the time that everyone kind of starts to hear about it and is like, oh, wow, that's really, really good, um, you know, their skills are at a, a decent level. And then they go back and look at the first episode, the first, um, you know, book, the first chapters, and they're like, oh, this isn't, this isn't good. Um, Attack on Titan, the manga Attack on Titan. There's like a classic example of this, right? If you could go look at the early um, art, it's like pretty rough, right? Towards the end, it gets like really, really good. And again, so much of that, I think, is the artist figuring out like how to how to show these scenes. We have these giant, like, écorché, skinless, um, giant creatures walking around and like, you know, what works and what makes that particular story sing, is the shots, the feeling of like, oh, you have a little person and a big person. How do you frame that shot? How do you get that happening? How do you get the scale? How do you sell that whole idea? There's like just such a terror in that book of that concept. And, you know, uh, I, I think that just doing that project probably allowed that artist to figure that out. But again, it's a good example. The first first bit of that is really rough drawing wise. And there's a good lot of, lot of reasons for that, right? They, they didn't have assistance in the beginning, right? They had to figure it out. Um, you know, as uh, mangaka get better and better, they get more money, means they can hire assistants, draw backgrounds, get better, right? Either way, just jumping in 
is something that you can always do, but you know, people frequently will go back and redo it, right? Or you have like One Punch Man, right? Another great example from comics and manga where again, someone did it um, and the art wasn't that good. And another artist said like, hey, I'll just go and redo exactly the story you've got, but I'll make the art better, right? And uh, you know, that worked out really, really well. So again, you know, you can see that there's that idea where if your vision is really good and you practice um, executing on it, at some point you're going to kind of figure it out. And then the problem is like, well, the first bit of it sucked. Who cares? Just go redo it. Just redo it. Um, it should be obvious from a time perspective that you probably get to your desired outcome a lot quicker. And at that point, you know exactly what you need to do to fix it. But you'll also know all those characters a lot better. You will have figured out all the things. You know how to draw everything. You know what's working, what's not. Very, very easy, very easy to go back and redo the start of a book that sucked than it is to, you know, sort of try and prepare perfectly to start it. Because in every single one of my experiences, um, the first bit's rough anyway, right? It's always rough. It's always not quite right. It takes a while for everything to sync up, even if, uh, you know, you have a lot of experience doing these things. So again, as for what it's worth, um, you can always redo it. You'll learn so much in the process. You can always redo it. There's always a chance for you to create the masterwork and have it perfect in the end. You can just redo it. You can just redo it. You can just redo it. It's really easy. All right. Hopefully I've made the case there for just jumping in. Before we go, what I often like to do is really try and encapsulate these things in some takeaways. Now, that's sort of my opinion, right? That's my opinion. There's, look, just jump in. Your journey is obviously your journey. You've got to figure this stuff out for yourself. As I said, very, very early on in this particular episode, you need to have conviction that the path forward is the right one. But hopefully I've helped you understand the issues at play. Um, but anyway, let's jump into some analytics, see if we can really think about takeaways, um, what can we actually do with this information and, you know, move forward right now. So if we look at the analytical takeaway, how can we understand this? I think the most important takeaway here is to understand that as artists, we are never really happy with our own work. I think that obviously the more advanced you get, the more you're maybe not going to feel embarrassed about it. And there's obviously, you know, a huge difference between the way I feel about my work when, you know, it was really amateurish and I can see that where I'm like, oh, I don't want anyone to see that, right? It's really, really bad. And then there's stuff where I'm like, oh, that didn't really turn out how I wanted. I'm so annoyed. This didn't quite get across. Oh, I should have done this instead of this, right? Like one is kind of first world problems, right? And, and that's like fair enough. That is fully legitimate. But Again, we're always going to have to learn to deal with this feeling that like, uh, hey, you know, the work could have been better. And I think starting a project is actually a really good way to come to grips with that, to start to deal with that, to start to figure out how we relate to that. So again, we're always going to have a complicated relationship with our work. We're always maybe going to feel as if it should be better. And you need to take that into account that even if you're just starting out and you're having these feelings, realize that you're going to be the same person, right? In 10 years, 20 years, five years, whatever it is, you're going to be the same person. You're probably going to have similar feelings, right? If you're someone who's really harsh on yourself, you're probably still going to be really harsh on yourself, right? I think that people who get really good at this just come to terms with it. They come to be at peace with the creative process and understand what is and isn't possible. And often, you know, they're just like, look, I'm going to do another project and I'm going to try and, you know, improve on those things as I move forward. Secondly, if you really want to get analytical about this, I think it's important to take into consideration the math. 
look at the time and be pragmatic about what is actually going on. As I just said, you can redo it. I think that jumping in is one of the fastest, most effective, easiest ways to actually learn the skills you need. And if you kind of avoid the very simple mathematical nature of this, I think you can often frequently, as I have been, and again, let me know in the comments if you had different experiences. I'd love to know other people who um, have had counter experiences, uh, you know, because again, we're all different, but I frequently look back and mostly the things that I regret are me being like, oh, you know, I was just being really hesitant for like a year and then, you know, I dove in and, you know, the, the exponential nature of what I learned when I was actually diving in and trying to do it versus when I was kind of fiddling around and sort of dipping my toe in the water is like huge, right? And I think if you just look at the simple plan of like, here's where you are, here's where you want to be, what's the fastest route from A to B? If you want the bro version of this, it's really simple. Yes, just do it. You're going to learn a whole bunch. And if it sucks, you can just redo it. Okay. If you want some like more structured takeaways, like what can you actually do? And what are some ideas for maybe like, yes, you agree with all this. It's kind of okay. But um, I would say something that's more important is like, Often the real challenge with like starting a magnum opus work is it's big. And I think it being too big can often be a major impediment. So there's a couple of things that I often recommend when it comes to starting a project and sort of dipping your foot in the water, right? Really sort of jumping in where you can kind of have your cake and eat it too, right? I think there's a lot of actual really simple solutions for this. And the two would be Firstly, just start practicing, jumping in, creating pages if this is a comic, creating like assets if you're trying to create a board game or, or some kind of video game, for instance. There's things you can do where I would sort of frame this as a snippet, um, a vertical slice, let's say. Let's try and create something that is close to that finished product where you're going to start to see this is what people are going to see. How can I improve this actual product? So a good way to do that, that I think for a comic is really useful is just to think about, okay, let's take one image or one scene, a very, very simple scene. Almost imagine like you're going to take one page out of your 5,000 page magnum opus book and you're going to draw it right now. Now, often, you know, there are key scenes, there are key things that are going to be interesting, that are going to test you. You've probably thought about some of these things. Let's just draw one page of that and practice going through the steps, going through the process of doing it. You can throw this page away when you're done. It's not important. It's very low impact. So just take a snippet, single page. Uh, you don't have to think about this as being something anyone else will ever see. This is just for you. Again, you're still in the pre-production phase. You're not committing to anything. You still have all that sort of protection. Let's just create a vertical slice. Let's see if we can get to a point where we're able to practice the skills that are actually needed. Now, if you've done that, or maybe just one page is like not really what you want to do. If you need to kind of practice the story side of this, like how to actually string together a series of, of elements, right? Just expand the scope of that a tiny bit either create a sort of part of your story and just define and just use that as a little project to work on very very small in scope and again the goal here is that you're really just doing this for your own development it's not to show to anyone it's just for you to play around with this and if you abandon it or if you throw it away if no one ever sees it again it doesn't have to have a start and an end it doesn't have to have all these other obligations it just is a way for you to actually practice the skills that are needed. 
I think there's two simple ways you can do this. One is to take a little part of the story and try and create, again, just a vignette story, but have the freedom to just cut and cut, you know, the start and the end of it. You know the characters that are going to be there. If, you know, you end up changing all the designs, if the characters change because you start writing the story in, in much more detail, who cares, right? It's just there. It's just for you to practice, but actually start doing something that is very similar to the thing you want to create. Another variation on this is to think about creating a small prequel story. You might have a character that is a part of your story and, you know, just do a little sort of adventures of that character. I think this is a good way to make sure we're not avoiding the problems that are often coming up as we, you know, sort of envision our masterwork or whatever story you're creating. And then often what happens is we sort of see, oh, there's all these problems. There's all these things I can't draw. And instead of like tackling those problems, we often divert our attention to another project that's completely different. Because again, that doesn't have any of the challenges we had with our previous thing. The, the goal is to deal with the challenges, figure out how to draw those things, figure out how that storytelling works and you know, just get stuck in as soon as possible. The key here is to create something that is a vertical slice, an actual unit of production. I think it is much better to create a page of a comic or a you know particular asset if you're creating a video game project, whatever it is, create an actual thing that is representative of what you wanna do. If you wanna do a comic project, don't start doing illustrations, create a page, right? That way you're actually gonna learn and build the skills you need to do the thing you want to do. If we look at this from a more philosophical, spiritual point of view, for me personally, I think it's been so important to understand that it is the process that defines us as artists. The process is the thing that's going to set you free. The actual doing of the thing, the doing it is what is going to make it real. The doing of your project, the creation, the actual stepping up to the plate is what is going to make it happen. It's what is going to answer all of those internal questions. And for me, it's often the thing that kind of reduces a lot of the free-floating anxiety that's just kind of around these projects, the unknowns. Doing it is what makes it real. One of the major skills that you will have to develop if you want to get to a point where you have a vision you're turning into some masterwork that other people can interact with. You're going to have to deal with your creative process, with your creative emotions, with the creative act. And your particular way that you deal with this and your particular set of emotions, you, everything that makes you individual and unique makes your creative process unique and the way that you deal with it unique and the things that come out with out of it unique. And this is not some sort of snowflake story. This is just to say that you have to figure this out yourself. It's not some like, oh, you're special. It's like you're special in a bad way, right? You're special in a way that no one can really tell you how to turn your internal visions into a finished thing. You kind of have to figure it out yourself. That is both the curse of being an artist, but it is also what will, you know, hopefully make you unique and important and have a voice. These things that you're feeling, the series of emotions, the apprehensions you have, the, the doubts, the aspirations, all of this stuff is going to persist and it's so important that you learn to relate to these feelings, to manage them, to figure out what they mean, how to optimize this initial process 
the pre-production process as a way to actually squeeze more of your vision into the final product. The things you will learn about your process through understanding that initial vision and your apprehensions of what you are and aren't excited to do, where you're maybe holding back, where you're maybe, uh, again, being too afraid. These are things that will teach you to become a better artist in the long run. You cannot learn this stuff by holding back, by you know, learning techniques and skills. You can only learn this through doing it. And I think if you understand that, again, the skill is not to, you know, master everything so that we don't ever have the feeling. The skill is to sit with the feeling and to make these fears and apprehensions and creative processes and things our friend. Anyway, that's probably all we got time for on this one. Let me know if this was interesting. A little bit of a deviation from the normal video that I was going to make, but I saw this comment and it really got me inspired to try and put my two cents in on this topic because, again, I really feel what this person was saying, that this is a major challenge and, you know, a lot of this advice, it kind of makes sense, but it's like, what do you do with that? How do you actually jump forward? You know, what about this? What about that? So, as I said, your choice, your decisions are totally yours. Um, I have uh, ignored this advice. And, uh, you know, again, I sort of look back on that and I'm like, oh, should just sort of jumped in. Right. But again, the, one of the reasons I didn't uh, at the time was because it's really hard. Right. And, you know, maybe there is just some degree to where, you know, again, this whole thing is about learning the creative process. And maybe we all have to learn this little lesson on our own to a certain degree to really internalize it and believe in the path forward. Anyway, um, let me know if you've got any comments, suggestions, leave a like, subscribe if you're listening on YouTube, uh, leave me a review on podcast platforms and we will catch you on the next one.